welcome to today's podcast. And I have Stephanie Torres joining us today. She works with Catholic Charities as part of the CalFresh program, also known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. And Stephanie does meaningful work providing nutrition education to children. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And if we could just get a little introduction about yourself, could you give us some information about who you are and some background general information about the work that you do. So I am part of the CalFresh Healthy Living team, which is also um, SNAP Ed, um, but it has been rebranded into CalFresh Healthy Living. I work as a nutrition educator um, for youth education um, through CalFresh Healthy Living. We are also partnered with Catholic Charities of Los Angeles, which is a social services organization that gives us the opportunity to service clients within the Los Angeles County. I personally um, help provide nutrition, physical, and gardening education to support healthy and active lifestyles for underserved communities in the LA County where they might not receive this type of education or have the knowledge of how to stretch their income um, to fit a healthier lifestyle. And our team is divided into uh, youth and adult education. Adult education primarily uh, focuses on nutrition and physical education and youth education also provides that, um, but they also incorporate gardening education as part of their curriculum. So that's what we do through our program. Thank you so much. That's very nice to know that that's all provided. And what would you say a typical day of work looks like for you, given all of that? Yeah, so for me, we follow a specific curriculum um, when teaching the students. So uh, we have to look at the curricula, um, make PowerPoint presentations, um, we would meet together and find ways to find ways to make it interactive. And we also then gather materials from our office um, to prepare for class sessions. So sometimes if we have a class on a topic that is gardening related, we would have to get materials um, for all of the kids, such as uh, maybe seed packets, um, soil tools, um, like hand drapes and so forth. And before holding this activity, we would also conduct a brief lesson before actually getting into um, the actual activity. So most of our days are full school days. So classes can be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, um, depending on, on the class schedule. Um, and uh, it's for each class grade. Um, currently, we are teaching third to eighth grade students in two school locations. Um, currently, we're teaching at St. Francis Cabrini and St. Ignatius of Loyola, and they are both um, Catholic schools here in the L.A. County. Uh, one is in the South Bay, St. Francis Cabrini, and then St. Ignatius is more in the Highland Park um, area. And depending on the curricula, um, we have to tailor the given information um, to each class grade, um, which can be difficult to find ways to make the material interesting for, say, elementary school children versus middle school students. So you have to find the balance in and try to figure out ways that um, work for both um, students. So, yeah. That's a good point. I imagine you work with 
all these different aged kids and they're just different in the way they take the information and act on it. So that's good to yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Of And course. have you noticed uh, what are some of the struggles you've had to encounter amidst working um, with the pandemic? I know with the the structure of the school day and planning that out, how have you navigated that? Switching to virtual education at the start of the pandemic was basically what we had to do. Um, and that was very challenging. We were actually um, one of the first CalFresh Healthy Living programs to um, transition into virtual teaching and learning. Um, many of the students and families, um, including the adult students, um, coming from these underserved communities did not have access to wireless internet connection or laptops and computers to work with, which was difficult to reach this demographic. Um, because they did not have these uh, resources to obtain this form of education. Um, and it wasn't like they can go to their local library or at a Starbucks where they have that internet connection. Because if you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, everything was completely closed. So it was a challenge to try to teach these kids and, and, and also the adults Um, the curriculum that we were trying to um, teach. Fortunately, we live in California. <laughs> um, so our state responds very well to crises and the needs of its residents. So um, they were actually able to provide free internet uh, connection and computers to students in need. But I can only imagine how um, difficult it was for students living in other states um, who do not who did not have the access to those resources during the pandemic. Also, it was very difficult for the instructors as well because they had to adjust teaching from in-person lessons to a virtual format, which is more difficult to control given so many variables like faulty internet connection, confused parents or students, um, the learning curve um, that um, came with learning had um, to operate Zoom as well. Um, for our adult educators, they also had to switch to um, virtual formats, which was an adjustment for them as well. Um, Some of the people who work at nonprofits like our own have the skills, um, such as like um, the skills for teaching, um, but are not necessarily knowledgeable when it comes to technology, especially our older um, employees. So it was definitely a challenge for some of our educators to uh, switch to virtual learning because it was a learning curve for them as well. Um, however, now that the pandemic has died down a bit, um, we have gone back to um, teaching in-person classes. Very nice. Yeah, I, I was actually realizing the other day, I saw a commercial on TV about Xfinity servicing, like, so many families with internet during the pandemic. And that's such a big part of it that you had to probably factor in into your plan. So Right. that's really cool that you're able to get that assistance. I know you touched on this too, when you answered that question, um, like the
the individuals that you service, who are the individuals that you mostly service or receive the services from your program? And how do you hope to be able to reach more individuals in the future? So, yeah, um, when they first started the program at our center, the main demographic uh, was primarily Hispanic or Latino women. And um, it primarily only started as adult education. Um, so for the reason why it was mostly Hispanic or Latino women is because that is primarily the community that we serve. Um, and our adult educators are largely Spanish speaking as their main language. So um, that was the main demographic that we reached at the time. Um, now that um, now we have expanded into youth education, uh, which is probably the main individuals that receive our services since we are able to teach hundreds of students at each school. So it's easier reach and numbers in schools. And for um, the adult education, it is more difficult to recruit adults. Um, we previously and um, we still do the same um, to this day as well. Um, have to hand out flyers by walking around um, neighborhoods, tabling at special events um, to hand out flyers. And also if we um, are teaching or if our adult educators um, are teaching at specific facilities, they have to um, catch people after they finished other classes at that same facility um, to try to recruit them into the program. So it's a little bit more difficult to try to um, get more people um, into the adult uh, nutrition program, as opposed to teaching at uh, schools where it's a bigger audience of people. So there's more numbers there. So that's um, the main demographic that uh, receives our program. Um, but in terms of being able to reach more individuals in the future, we have started to incorporate social media into um, our program. Um, so I recently started um, an Instagram. Um, I'm going to plug it in here. It's at um, healthyliving.ccla um, for our Instagram. And um, that's how we've been posting some of our um you know, um, our flyers and our other um, programs um, to try to um, reach a wider audience in that way. But we'll also try to um, uh, implement the same strategies that we've had in the past, such as handing out flyers. Um, and also word of mouth helps as well. Um, so anytime we um, have a class with a particular student, we encourage them to um, you know, uh, spread the word amongst their friends and family. So yeah. Nice. I imagine social media is probably a really good way to include both the adults and the children. It's a good way to <laughs> get everyone on board. And I know you touched on this already with the difficulty in recruiting more adults to the program. Are there any other access barriers you've noticed that your team would like to overcome in order to reach who you want to? Yeah, so um, one of the problems that uh, we face is um, the issue with facility locations. 
For instance, at um, our main office, which is at the Market Center, um, we don't have like elevator access or, um, you know, um, our lessons are usually held in the classroom, which is on the second floor. So there's only a staircase for um, people to go upstairs. So since we don't have elevator access, um, the elderly have a hard time walking up the stairs. There's also no kitchen space in the classroom to teach with um, since it's only a classroom. We don't have the kitchen space um, to make, you know, the cooking demonstrations. Um, mothers with children um, also cannot come to in-person classes um, because that's also difficult having a, ch a child um, during the lesson, um, which is why our program has now split virtual and in-person classes to accommodate everyone because we see that there are different needs um, within the demographics that we're um, teaching. Um, it's also difficult to find other locations that um, will accommodate our needs and schedules to teach nutrition education. So it's hard um, trying to build those relationships and, and seeing where we can actually teach these lessons. So those have been some of the barriers that we have encountered um, with regards to our program. Wow, that's a really good point. I know that's a big factor to just being able to do your job properly. So right. thanks for bringing yeah. that up. Yeah. Yeah, it's really great to hear your perspective from what you do. What would you say is your favorite thing about working with SnapFed? So um, even before coming to um, working at the nonprofit organization at St. Margaret Center, um, I have always had a love for teaching and also for kids. Um, so for personally for me, it has been working with the kids and seeing their progression and what they have learned from our program. Um, when we go out to the garden, you can see the excitement in their eyes and how they engage they become um, when they take part of the hands-on activities. Um, they especially get really excited when they see um, some of the produce or um, harvest that is growing um, in the gardens and they can see like, wow, this is what we grew <laughs> in our garden. So um, I also had um, one eighth grader student, um, usually some of the upper grades aren't very into um, some of the gardening activities, um, but there are some who do enjoy it. And I had one come up to me and say, I'm having a lot of fun and I love what we're learning about. And thank you for all that you do and, and, and for everything. And that really made my day. <laughs> it just warmed my heart, just having that appreciation and just seeing that, you know, kids have different interests and, and we understand that. But just knowing that there are some of the kids that really love and appreciate um, the education that we're giving them, it just makes the work worthwhile. So, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, just <laughs> to see the product of what you do and just seeing those kids have such a positive response to it is yeah. great to hear. Yeah. 
we would love to have more information on um, where our listeners can go to learn about entering this line of work. But if you have anything you'd like to plug, please feel free to share. Yeah, so um, for entering this line of work, um, you can basically start in many directions. So for my coworker, she's currently earning some certifications through UCLA. Um, she has gardening experience from childhood into adulthood, but if she, but she wants to gain a little bit more knowledge about gardening. So um, she's currently taking a sustainable food and agriculture course um, at UCLA. Um, you can also um, get um, into the field of education, um, whether it's earning a bachelor's or master's in education, uh, nutrition certification. There's really many um, path, pathways to um, get into this line of work. Um, I personally, if I'm being honest, I don't have any <laughs> that experience. Um, but I just have a willingness and a love for the mission. Um, my, I, I do have some previous experience um, working with the nutrition program at our center um, as an assistant and um, working also as a literacy coordinator um, may have helped. But um, I do admit that there is still a lot um, that I have to learn. Um, Every day, there's always something new with regards to maybe gardening or, or teaching methods. You just learn um, every day. Um, there's always something new. Um, but as long as you have the drive and joy in this field, anyone can enter into this line of work. So that's my advice. <laughs> it's great to hear. Yes. So if you have the willingness to do it, you can do it. And there is a need for more to join your team so I imagine if you want to do it feel free and find a way yes, yes I absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well this has been great thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences and willingness to help out others through this program SnapEd thank you for joining okay. us Stephanie thank you for having me Yes. That's been a pleasure.